And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course, and it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. We continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope, and we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hello, Tour Story listeners. Thank you for your continued support, and welcome to Season 4. I'd like to take a second to thank our friends and sponsors over at Isotope. Here at Ruinous, Chris and I rely heavily on easy-to-use tools like RX and Ozone for all of our audio repair, mixing, and mastering. Now, Tour Story listeners can get 10% off Isotope plugins or try Music Production Suite Pro for free for 30 days using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. To get your discount and check out all of their easy-to-use products, go to isotope.com slash ruinous. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com slash ruinous. And use code FRET10. And thank you for listening. Hi, Rosie. Hi, Joe. How's it going? <laughs> uh, I'm having a really good day. How about you? So far, so good. Looking out my window of my studio, and it's sunny. I'm looking on a silver roof, so it's really bright and sunny outside. Oh, that sounds beautiful. Yeah. Where are you? I'm in Atwater Village, California. I know where that is. Mm-hmm. Do you ever eat at Viet? I have not eaten at Viet. Mm. You ever eaten at El Buen Gusto? What side of the street is it on? I think it might be right next to Viet. Can you walk in there or is it just the storefront? You can walk in, yeah. No, I don't think I've been there. Dune? Is Dune still there? Dune is still there. Dune is very, very good. I bet there's a long line at Dune right now. Yes, well, through the pandemic, there have been... um, 
many, many people flocking to Dune. That's nice, considering a lot of people went out of biz. Yeah, definitely. How is the pandemic slash vaccine rollout doing down there in Atwater Village, Los Angeles, California? I mean, in my family, it's going great. My partner and I both had COVID-19, and now we are both vaccinated, so I feel like mm -hmm. we did the whole journey. It seems to be pretty chill. There's, like, high mask compliance. We haven't been down the main drag in, you know, over a year because mm -hmm. why? But, yeah, I'm feeling hopeful. I'm starting to see more people walk in. You said you had COVID. yes. Do you feel like telling me how bad it was? Sure. I mean, um, I was supremely lucky. We don't know how we got it. It was during the surge in December where like one in three people in Los Angeles had it. So we hadn't been seeing friends. We hadn't gone anywhere but, you know, grocery stores, gas stations. And uh, then we gave it to my partner's sister and mom. And it mm. was right before Christmas, and we had, like, a very sad, surreal COVID Christmas in the apartment, and we couldn't taste anything. Like, on Christmas Eve, we ordered Domino's, and I got the, like, pizza with jalapeno and pineapples, and it just tasted like nothing, but it still <laughs> hurt, like the spice hurt. Interesting. Yeah, for, like, a few weeks, we were just putting hot sauce on, like, every single food just to try and have a feeling. What is that term? Scoville? Scoville meter for the yes. measurement of heat? Yes. So scovillically, <laughs> you can still taste with COVID. So yes. take away. There was a tea, like a, a sweet and spicy tea that did not have any sugar in it, but it would taste sweet to me. That was like the first thing that came back was I was drinking. It was so surreal. I, I lost my taste like while eating a bowl of ice cream. Like mm -hmm. the first, I ate like two. And so like the first bowl mm. of ice cream was delicious. And then the second one is like, this is just not like hitting in the same way as the first one. And then like a few hours later, it was like, oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, and then it came back the same way. I was like, oh, oh, cool. Oh, cool. Like I could taste. It was great. Interesting. Yeah. And were you knocked out? Were you bedridden for any amount of time? Not exactly. I mean, didn't move very much. We basically watch TV for like a week. Mm -hmm. I got the best sleep of my entire life. I would sleep for like 12 or 13 or 14 hours every night and just kind of shuffle around the apartment. But no one had any respiratory stuff, mild fevers. So just like a, a flu. Okay. The anxiety of having the thing was yeah. kind of the biggest factor and also we live in an apartment that is pretty dense and we have a dog and like some of our neighbors are elderly and their families and so i think there was a lot of anxiety around you know trying to keep everyone in our building safe from us any lasting effects or you feel like you're out of it completely i think that i'm out of it good yes i know some people who have even a young person who, you know, got sick and is has not gotten well. So I'm really grateful. I eat a lot healthier now, just in the process of trying to heal. So I got I got a lot to be grateful for. Yeah. Well thank uh thank you for making it out <laughs> and congratulations <laughs> on making it out. Uh yeah, I'm glad you made it to the other side. Yeah, me too. Well, aside from getting COVID nineteen <laughs> 
What else happened in the last year? What What is your uh, daily routine been? Oh, I love my daily routine. I um. Well, a lot of stuff happened in this last year. We recorded a record in like January into February, and then the world shut down, and um, we completed the record and got it finished up. I signed a record deal, and then like five days later, I got COVID-19, and um, came through that in the new year, and I've been uh, teaching a lot. I teach middle school music production, and so... Oh, you do? Yes. For the past few months, I've had a pretty heavy workload, like eight individual class meetings a week. So mm. kind of like doing that. And then the new record label stuff has occupied most of my time. But I take a walk every day, walk the dog. Yeah. I haven't talked to too many people on the teacher side of remote learning. I am on the parent side. Oh, wow. And I think it's going okay. I think the hardest part was me and my son, who's six, spending so much time together and me having to be a teacher and I'm not a great teacher and we got in fights but we made up usually every day and I ultimately think it went okay I like in school learning a lot better <laughs> but how was it how is it from your perspective oh it's um it is not nearly as fun as in school learning I mean, well, I feel like with someone who's like six years old, so much of the learning at that age is just about being around other children. Um, so I'm grateful that I work with middle schoolers. I feel like the small teachers I know are are just so, you know, frustrated. The small kid teachers I know, not the small <laughs> teachers. I like that. <laughs> smaller teachers in Los Angeles. <laughs> um, but I mean, it's... It's truly unfortunate because obviously there's such an important engagement aspect, especially with middle schoolers in particular. The way I see there being an impact is like if I'm with middle schoolers in person, I can kind of cultivate an environment where no one feels like they're too cool to participate. And I think that that is the main challenge of being a middle school teacher is it's like they're still children, but you have to make them feel respected and you have to right. make things interesting enough and you have to demand enough participation that it becomes the norm for everybody to participate. And that is just impossible to do over Zoom, especially some of my classes will have 20 or even 30 kids. So it's like, oh, it's tough. Yeah, I guess my closest experience with that was sharing a recording session at the beginning of this whole pandemic with my my business partner and we were being very positive and we were sharing a screen on zoom and making adjustments to a session edits i think and the first time we did it we were like yeah went pretty good we worked on it for an hour because we didn't think we were going to see each other for months and then the second time we did it we were just like this is fucking impossible fuck this and we figured out a way to meet. Yeah. Did you pick up any bad habits? Oh, great question. Or good habits. I think my habits got better. I feel like it's such a process to learn how to emotionally regulate when you are in the same place over and over like if you have a fight with your partner there's no like okay well actually I have a thing to go to and then when I come back like we're both going to be in a different mood so it's going to be better it's kind of like yeah <laughs> every um boundary needs to be manufactured 
in real time. But I think I think my habits have gotten a lot better. I've gotten a lot better at emailing right away because I want to be able to clock out. And I used to be a big procrastinator. And um, I've started eating a lot better because we're just not eating out. And also after we got sick, it was like, okay, well, if you can't taste anything, you might as well just eat some fucking vegetables um, right. one time yeah. in your life. And so... <laughs> um, I'm like mostly just eating vegetables these days. I started like exercising. I think just feeling so, so terrible physically and emotionally that it's like, okay, well, kind of the only options are to figure out some structured coping mechanisms. And I feel like I have, and I'm more nervous, I think, when the world opens up again to lose that time of like getting up early in the morning and doing exercise and um, writing in a notebook and doing my work, going on a walk, doing more work, ending the day like that. I feel so well adjusted to that pattern now. Right. Yeah. And I, I wonder when things do open up and, um, you know, get closer to quote unquote normal, mm -hmm. um, or as we knew it before, if our world will retain all these good habits and if we learned anything from this. More, I think now it's going to be split 50 50 because I think people are going to just be blinded by their elation. Mm -hmm. But it is rolling out so slowly. It's not like the light switch is being flipped back on to go party. But, um, Maybe it's a blessing that it is happening slowly, then people will give it some thought. And I guess, I don't know. I'm on the party side. I'm on the roaring 20s side. I know. Roaring 20s <laughs> side of this thing. I know. I like, I have not been to a rave since being in college. And like, the thought just entered my brain like four months ago. Like, as soon as there's a warehouse with like, a beat like I have to be there um I think we're gonna see a split I think it's gonna depend on what people can afford I feel like the people who are already in more flexible industries or who are paid more are gonna be able to kind of leverage like more at home time and I feel like everyone else it's just gonna go back to work the way it was is what I would predict yeah I think so too um the other massive thing that um, happened in our lives in the last year is the social justice movement. I feel like there's increased consciousness for sure. I think maybe the pandemic has something to do with that just because it was easier to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. um, maybe some changes coming. We had an important conviction. <sighs> um, how do you feel? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh man I... you think we're making you think we're making progress and if we have at this point do you think we're gonna stick with it um i'm not sure i want to recognize that um it is so rare for a police officer to be convicted that it is meaningful when it happens um and i i don't want to denigrate that but um Emotionally speaking, I I feel that there are so many problems that are simply baked into the way that that we manage violence and power within the United States. I believe in the abolition of the carceral state and of police personally, and um, I think that this summer was 
in some ways inspiring. It is always inspiring when people are moved. And obviously this was historic, I think, particularly in um, in the number of white people who became energized. And I think that does have something to do with pandemic and with maybe people who did not feel vulnerable or kind of abandoned by the state before starting to register those feelings and and feeling moved to participate and to recognize how the state has been neglecting other groups for a long time or actively oppressing other groups for a long time. Um, so I think that that's really, really important and really good. And I think it's important for, um, you know, white people to recognize that our ability to um, have a good society is wrapped up in uh, everyone else's. But this has not been my first summer feeling called to march in the streets for Black Lives mm -hmm. Matter. And so on the one hand, it's always important and it's always meaningful. And every single time, I think I want to believe that the needle gets moved. And on the other hand, I remember marching for Eric Garner and Sandra Bland. And um, part of me feels like, well, I'm doing the same thing I was doing, you know, four or five years ago. And so where do we go from here what happens next and i'm not an organizer i don't know and that was a really long-winded answer but those are some of my thoughts no that's uh that was a great answer <laughs> um well i want to talk a little bit about your record too cool. which is awesome i listened to it a lot especially last night uh after i was recording for a couple hours and Believe it or not, I wanted to listen to more music. <laughs> I don't know why I do that. I do that a lot. I think it, you know, takes the music you're recording out of your head. But um, I love the record. It's it's really cool. It's different than your last record in the sense that um, it's a little bit different in the sense that it's not as power poppy almost mm. to me. It feels more like something like. A band called Sugar. Do you know that band? I don't. Um, it's Bob Mould. Mm. And it's just, there's so much energy to it. And even like that song, um, Ambrosia, which I think to me, it, it has some lullaby aspects to it when it slows down. And it's just kind of a mellow song, maybe on paper, but it has so much energy, even though, you know, even though it's a quote unquote mellow song on the on the record. Do you feel like you stepped into a different realm for this record compared to your last one? Yes, I, I definitely do. Um, and that's a really, really nice way to talk about Ambrosia. I think there totally is a lullaby element to it. Every record for me, I think, serves a purpose that I kind of know before I ever start recording and sometimes before I start writing, I know like, okay, the purpose of the next record is going to be blah. So like my first record, it was like, the purpose of this is I've written enough songs and I want to have an archive of it. And then for my second record, it was like, the purpose of this is I... I had been playing in bands for years, but I had not really had a band around my songs. And so it was like, the purpose of this is to arrange for a rock band and um, also to find my people and to find my team that um, I want to be creative with. And I'm a big believer. I'm kind of a slow guy and I'm kind of a tentative guy when it comes to collaborating. And so my goal is always to find the people who um, I feel comfortable with from the beginning and then who I'm going to 
grow with and who are going to grow and change with me. Um, so I think for this third record, um, Wolfie is still producing it. Jesse Reed is still playing drums. And then we brought in Jess Callen, who um, plays guitar in the band, in the live band, had started in the live band. And um, I think the goal was just to to aim higher, to be a little more ambitious in terms of what kinds of sounds were there, and then to get like a really, really clear hi-fi mix. And I feel like we did all that. Yeah, I do too. It, it just feels loud in a good way to me. You know, I can almost imagine the volumes on some of those guitars when you were tracking them. I don't know if I'm, it's all kinds of tricks these days, but I imagine they were loud. <laughs> yes. Um, do you have plans this year to tour? Yes. Just yesterday, I think, Tree Fort Festival in Boise announced. So I'm going to be playing that um, All right. with the band and hopefully with some dates on either side. So, yeah, gearing up. I mean, it's still a ways away and there's time to fill in between. But um, starting to, and this is all given that there's not a variant and that we right, can, yeah. you know. Um, but, yeah, starting to imagine getting back in a van and, and touring in the fall. Yeah, I had the same thing happen two days ago mm. where we were asked if we were available to tour in August. And everyone was like, fuck, yes. So, um, it seems to be almost confirmed, but again, I'm not, I, I, I really want it to happen, but I, I can't get too excited about it. Yeah. Um, well, until people can see you live, I'd like to play your newest single, Barbara Ann. Does that sound cool? That sounds cool to me. All right, here it goes. Just 
Well, thank you. So you said you made this record in January? Yes. Yeah. How did you track it? It's kind of a Frankenstein record, which is also how all of my records go, and which is also virtue of just not having one consistent place to record. But um, like Ambrosia, Brand New Beast, and Arrow, we recorded at Pie Town Sound in Burbank, which is where Wolfie works as a studio assistant. And then for the rest of the tunes, we tracked drums at New Monkey and kind of made up the parts while we were there with Jesse. And then my parents have a small cabin in June Lake, California. So me and Wolfie and Jess went up there and and tracked guitars. And then we did vocals in the closet in the room where I am sitting. Did you do a lot of screaming in your apartment? There was some vocal parts. I was like, oh, she's screaming. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And was I right? Were the guitar amps loud up in June Lake? Yeah, we had them really loud. And we had like... um, like blankets over them, like we were just piling like pillows and blankets on top. Um, but I don't think there was really anyone even nearby. It was kind of the perfect way to record a loud record. What instruments did you play on the record? Do you play a little bit of everything? I definitely don't play everything. Um, I do all the comping guitars because that's usually how the songs happen is just me strumming around and singing. And um mm-hmm. I definitely did more on this record than previous records. I also played almost all of the bass, which is always the case. I think one or two, maybe Wolfie did. And I played like a few more guitar parts on this record, like actual guitar parts. But between Wolfie and Jess, like there's just too much. They're too good at playing the guitar for me Mm. to like fucking. (laughs) Too much virtuosity. Yeah, yeah. For me to waste my time (laughs) plunking um, unless I feel really excited and good about it. Um, I'm going like, oh, wait, sorry. (laughs) Oh, wait, sorry. I'll get it. Well, there's always like the, the process too of like the first instrument that I track on a record I feel like I'm in my underwear like I just feel so like oh no and then I'm going that wasn't good that wasn't good that wasn't good and it's like yeah that's the point we're recording we can take as many takes as we want like shut up um so I played a little guitar and then um had a lot more like fun like I did more of the synthy production stuff on this record and i have like a drone box i have a couple of like like uh it's in another room um what's a drone box there it is so this is the maximal drone and it's just has an output no Mm -hmm. input i guess you can do like modular stuff with it but i oh yeah i'm i'm saving that for when i'm um old so okay (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it's like one on switch and then like all of these like switch kind of almost like an octave so it's like you get a low drone or a high drone and i think these are all just like oscillators and you can like make really big stupid chords basically but um oh my god there's i need one of those maximal drone yeah you also have a great way of demonstrating it that quickly you're you're a teacher i'm a teacher i i am uh i do a lot of like here's the physical place you need to press the button with <laughs> my time but yeah that and then there's um 
a Korg Monotron Delay is this, it's like a plastic $50 synthesizer with like a little eighth inch in and an eighth inch out. And I used that all over the record too. Um, sometimes running, like I would download the tracks onto my phone and then like playing the delay, but also pressing start and pause on the iPhone while like messing with the delay and playing stuff through it so just stupid shit like that um that sounds fun really fun i love i mean i can spend so much time like with that instrument in particular and just with kind of controlling the feedback like that has been a tool in my life like where i've had times where i am um on tour for example and having like a stressful week or i'm like pmsing or something and i just cannot really interact i will put my headphones on and plug it into the korg and then like listen to the noise and the feedback like while i'm grocery shopping or in the van or whatever i'm just kind of like in the noise and it is very helpful that's nice yeah i like that i have a white noise app that i use almost every day i put headphones on and listen to a combination of a shower and rain yeah Anyways, I understand that. <laughs> um, any new music come into your life that you can't stop listening to? Doesn't have to be new music, new, new music, but. I feel you. Um, I've been listening mainly to um, Pharaoh Sanders, the jazz guy. Mm -hmm. He has so many records and um, have not have not hit a skipper yet. You haven't. Mm -mm. Do you know the name of the last one you listened to? Let me look. This is not the last one I listened to, but he did just release like a collaboration. It's Pharaoh Sanders' Floating Points and the London Symphony Orchestra. And um, I haven't gone in really deep on that, but it is very beautiful. But the last one that I listened to, I'm not sure if I will pronounce it right, but it's Thembi, T-H-E-M-B-I, 1971. And... Uh, it's just really fucking good music. All right. Yeah. I'll check it out. My band member just turned me on to um, the Sonny Rollins record, What's New? And at the same time, he turned me on to an Art Blakey record called Orgy and Rhythm. It's a killer record. I got to check it out. Yeah. Check them out. Um. Well, I'm going to let you go here in a second, but I'd like to know what you're looking forward to in the next year. I'm really looking forward to writing and recording again because in this pandemic, I've been really busy and I just haven't really had capacity for that. I think it's the longest I've ever, I mean, I have written a little bit, but um, I think it's kind of like the most sparse musically, creatively I've been in maybe my life. So I'm kind of chomping at the bit to make some new noise but then also fucking getting in a van with my favorite people mm -hmm. and like hearing all of the music they ever want to listen to and um and having funny interactions with strangers and and seeing some beautiful stuff like that's gonna bring me a lot of joy i think to get back to that all right well you never know i played tree fort once or twice and someone just asked me if i was playing it again i don't know no one's asked me to <laughs> but um if I'm there, I'll see you there. We'll hang out. That would be awesome. Are you playing a bunch of shows? I think we'll do like two. In previous years, we've done like yeah. 
put us wherever you can. And I think we're trying to like scale back. Yeah, I did that once, like five <laughs> shows or something. Yeah. Um, and I was napping in my hotel room, almost missing the one of them. It was like afternoon. Who plays shows at 2 p.m.? <laughs> Only at Treefort. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, thanks. Thanks again. I will um, hopefully see you out there on the road. And congrats on the record. Comes out April 30th. Is that correct? That is correct. Epitaph. Epitaph. All right. Thanks again. Take it easy. Thank you so much, Joe. You have a really good day. You too. Bye. See you later. Thank you.